Have you ever had this thought, I can never seem to get ahead? Or maybe this one, I have no idea what I'm doing. We've been there, and you probably have too. Unfortunately, confusion and frustration are normal for men today. Comparison, escapism, and all kinds of regrets usually have one of these involved. But the good news is this, no matter which one you're dealing with, the answer is the same. Focus on the fundamentals. Most of the outer issues we face can be improved or even solved by dealing with a few inner markers we call the fundamentals. We believe you can begin to take your life to the next level by becoming strong in the fundamentals of your life. So we wrote a free PDF called The 4D Model, Mastering the Fundamentals of Real Success. This PDF will show you what the four fundamentals are and how these key areas are foundational to the success of every man. You'll learn how to start a journey within that transforms the way you live your life and navigate your circumstances. Now, why did we make this PDF? So you can have a tool to learn how to focus on the four fundamentals, because when you do, long-lasting success can happen in your life. Get your free copy of the 4D Model of Success at thrivingman.com. On today's show, we have a special guest who's come on to help us be better dads. Dr. Cameron Caswell is an adolescent psychologist and family coach. For over 15 years, she has counseled and coached families, spoken to parents and educators, and has her own podcast, Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. I met her recently at a retreat I went to and loved her passion for parents and especially dads. She'll give us tons of great advice and practical tips from her experience with families. You'll get a ton of useful information from this show that will help you be a better dad today. Now you can get notes from today's show at my blog at davidthemaxwell.com. So let's get started. Welcome to the Confident Man Podcast, empowering men with the confidence they need to live their adventure. Now, here is your host, David Maxwell. Hey, Dr. Cam, welcome to the Confident Man Podcast. Glad you're here. Thank you for having me. I'm happy oh, to be no here, Oh, no problem. David. And uh, you have a passion to help families, and you've been doing it over 15 years, I yep. think is what it says. Um, so what's the story of how you started focusing on helping families? Where'd you get that passion from? You know, there's a lot of different pieces that come together, and it starts back when I was a teenager myself. And I just remember being a very just awkward, uncomfortable, shy everything teenager, feeling like nobody understood me, feeling like nobody was as bad off as I was, you know, and had struggles with my mom. Um, we just were constantly fighting all the time. And it was just, it was difficult. And I yet still, I wanted to, I love psychology. I love counseling and I was a peer counselor. And so here I am, don't have any of my stuff together, trying to counsel other people, which flash, you know, fast forward into yeah. the future, who knew? Um, but I remember my first client coming in and she was one of these girls that scared me. You know, she was mm -hmm. kind of the bully, um, 
way taller than me. I'm like five foot at the time, you know, and she's like this tall, big girl with the leather jacket and the boots and the constant scowl on her face. And the ones that you're like, oh my God, she's going to lock, shove me in my locker. Right. <laughs> she comes into my office, my office, the, um, the room. And I'm like, oh my God, she's going to kill me. Oh my God. What am I going to say? And I remember kind of going back to the listening skills they teach you. And she starts talking and what she says reflects everything I'm feeling inside too. And I'm like, mm. how can we be so completely different in our personalities and how people perceive us and yet feel the same way inside? Mm. And that really just kind of was this trigger in me. And it wasn't until way in the future when I was going back for my PhD in psychology, because I just, I love the field and I, I just love everything about it. And one of the courses I was teaching as a grad student was adolescent psychology. And I had a lot of parents in there and they started coming up to me saying, oh my gosh, what we're learning in this class is completely changing our relationship with our kids. We get them. Wow. We get them now. And I was like, man, why don't all parents have this information? Yeah. And that really just was the key, the trigger for me. I was like, this information needs to get to parents that can use mm -hmm. it. Um, I wasn't a parent at the time. I am now have my own 15 year old and it works. This stuff works. <laughs> what? Yes. Well, the Confident Man podcast is geared toward men. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're going to be talking about different aspects of being a dad. Great. And uh, so, so let me ask this. What are some of the common traits of dads that you've seen that have been a positive influence on their children? The things that you've counseled families and things, what are the good things dads have done that you think other dads could, you know, copy and do themselves? I love this question because it starts off on the positive right foot and there's so many things dads can do. And I will say I am getting more and more dads as clients, um, just dads that are trying to reconnect with their kids or want to make sure they understand them. And the things they do right that really, really help their kids is have a relationship with them. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of dads, um, they're not sure how to connect, especially with their teen girls. And they get a, they kind of go into this, well, I'm a provider mode. That's what I'm going to do. That's That shows them love. But when they hang out with them, when they ask them questions about what they're interested in, when they just watch silly TikToks with them or do the TikTok dances or do the things where they kind of get into their world and just accept it and get curious about it. Oh my gosh, that mm. the, the teens love that. Um, other things I've heard teens are like when they laugh at our jokes, this is like teen boys love this. When my dad laughs at my jokes and he mm. finds me funny or he respects what I do and gets interested in what I do and I get to teach him about what I do. These things are so powerful for kids. And the crazy thing about this, you may notice is it's not the dad being the wise one talking about what he knows to the kids. It's allowing the kids to be the wise ones and teach their dad. Yeah. And that has so much power in it. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. Cause I think a lot of dads, when they're insecure about it, they feel like they always have to be the ones that have the answers for their yes, kids. Absolutely. And they need to be right all the time. 
And that trips yeah. us up. Moms too, that trips us up a lot when we feel like we have to be right. Yeah. Yeah. And and you feel like you have to have all the answers and your and your kids don't know that, you know, half the time you're just making stuff up because you don't know. You've never been a dad exactly. at that stage of life. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm. In fact, I was just talking to a dad who was just wanted to know is is his relationship with his son normal, his 15-year-old son normal. Um, and is his son acting normal? And it was just, you know, his son was playing video games all the time and didn't like to talk about school. And I was like, yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> you know, like all the things. I'm like, you're, you know, everything you're saying is exactly what I'm hearing. You know, doesn't like to shower. No, they don't care. They don't care. Yeah, so yeah. it's being able to accept that is that's that's who they are. That's probably how you were when you were a son, right? When yeah. you were a teenager. Yeah. Um, but I think that's that's a big piece. The one thing I really want to bring out though, too, is I think dads seem to have a lot and for a good reason are able to connect with their sons a lot more because there's a lot yeah. more in common. Yeah. What I see the biggest, um, the biggest gap. But when it's met is the biggest impact is with their daughters Hmm. and it's not being afraid of your daughters. You know, it's, it's, and I know, I think for some men, it's probably triggers them back into high school when they were afraid of seeing girls, perhaps, you know, like, Oh my God, um, what do I do? And all they want to do is be heard. That's all they want. They just want to be heard. Well, and I think for so many dads, it's becoming a student of your child and learning what they're into and not trying to force them into what you're into or what you were into. That's a big uh, one. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we've, we've hit some of the positives. So let's, let's talk about some of the the common traits of dads that are negative, the negative influences on their children. What are some things you've seen as you've counseled families? So I think one of the big ones is going into this, this mode of I'm the provider and kind of stepping back from the, mm. the raising the child, raising the children, which to me is being involved. So, mm, yeah. you know, when they're teens, you've got to start, let stop holding on so tightly, but you have to be involved. Um, and I think it's really important when they're like, oh, well, dad's here in spirit, but he's at the office. That doesn't count. I'm sorry. You're not there. And I get it. I get the pressure to provide for your kids, but your kids would rather have your time than have whatever you're buying with that money. I mean, most ultimately, right? So I think the focus is really spending time and that value with our kids. The other thing is like we already talked about was listening to them. I have had particularly daughters, but sons too, that just complain, even say, I hate my dad. All he cares about are my grades. It's Mm. all he cares about. He rides me about my grades all the time. And he doesn't care about anything else about me. He doesn't care about me and he won't listen to what I love. He's just saying, just do this. And I think, again, it gets to that. We know what's right. We're doing it from the right reason. We want to make sure we set our kids up for success and they make the right decisions. But like you just said, David, when you put your dreams and your expectations on your mm-hmm. kids, you're setting them up for failure because yeah. you're pushing them down a direction they don't want to go. So they're going to go kicking and screaming. Chances are, even if they succeed at that, they're not going to be happy at it. 
And Mm -hmm. I think ultimately that's what we want for our kids. Um, And I think we shortchange them because what we can dream for them is probably a lot smaller than what they can dream and do for themselves. So I always encourage us to just let our kids dream and support that. Um, And that's, that to me is the the best thing, but the biggest gap is, Mm -hmm. you know, dads get, I think they get scared. I think they are not exactly sure what to do. So they just kind of back off sometimes. Yeah. Do you think some dads, it kind of comes from a place of their own insecurity that they, they feel like they're being judged by other people based on their children? Oh, and that kind of puts pressure on them. All parents do. I think that's yeah. one of the biggest, you know, kind of the biggest things that get gets in our way is that we're so focused on appearance. You mm-hmm. know, we get so caught up in their grades. Why? Well, ultimately, you know, we are telling ourselves this long story of it's to get into a better school, to get a better job. Well, why? Why? who it's about, we want our kids to look like, look at how successful we are as a parent. We have a straight A student. Look, my son got into Harvard. Look, my son is a lawyer. Like that's not about them being happy. Mm -hmm. I know Mm -hmm. a lot of lawyers that doesn't make them happy. We, you know, it's about us looking good. So I hate to break it to us, but let's really look at what we're pushing our kids to do and the reason why we think it's so important. Is it for them mm-hmm. or is it for us? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. And I think, I think you get into that where you're trying to one up other parents with your children. Um, I was, I was at the retreat we were at mm-hmm. uh, in Utah. Uh, my roommate talked about his dad uh, was like that, that, mm-hmm. you know, he would get like third in the class and his dad was like, well, why didn't you get first? Right. You know, there was never enough. And and he felt that pressure. It was hard on him. And and I think, again, it comes from the right place. It comes Mm -hmm. from this wanting our kids to push, wanting them to be motivated, wanting them to succeed and be the best they can. And I think that's where that comes from as well. What happens, though, is when you study motivation and what really motivates human beings That's not what motivates making them feel shameful, making them feel crap, like crap, right? That doesn't in the long term motivate them. You know, Mm -hmm. what motivates them is encouragement, is showing that there's they do have successes. When we focus on what they do right, they want to do more of it. When we focus on what they do wrong, they feel like that's all they can do. So they give up and we see more of it right? Because we stop trying. So if we really want our kids to succeed and be the best they can be, let's encourage them to be the best they can be, not shame them when they're not. Yeah. And do you think some dads, maybe it's a tinge of they're kind of living out their regrets, the things they didn't do that they've never really processed through. They're trying to push on their children. Oh, a hundred percent. I think this is for true for just parents in general, but you see this in dads and sports a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, when they're by the field screaming at their (laughs) three-year-old, you know, it's like, they're supposed to be having fun. And they're like, well, if he doesn't do this now, he's not going to be a professional ball player. And I didn't, I missed my shot. And you're like, okay, how do you know? Um, He wants to be a professional ball player. So I do think, you know, we're, we're stepped in. These were my, this was my dream. This must be their dream too. They're my son. 
right? So they must have the same dream. And, you know, you want that so badly for your kids to be able to live this dream that you weren't able to have. The problem is it's not their dream. Mm -hmm. It's yours. Yeah. And do you think, I mean, one thing I noticed uh, from my kids is they would go through seasons where, you know, from this age, they wanted to be this in life. And so you kind of push them that then the next year it changes or the next month it changes. And, and do you think sometimes we kind of lock into one thing? Like when you were seven, you said you wanted to be a professional football player, but at nine, you hate sports and want to do something else, but we don't let them because, well, you said you wanted this. Do you think sometimes we hold them to things when it's just the natural growth process? Um, particularly if it, if when they were younger, they were going towards what we wanted them to do. And you're like, Mm -hmm. and it was probably because that's what you kept putting them into. And then you're like, but you loved it. Yeah. Mom, I was six. Yeah. Dad, I was, you know, it was like when I was seven. Um, and this happens a lot when kids become teenagers is they will try on a lot of different hats because this is the age where they're now saying, mom and dad don't dictate what I do. I now decide what I do. I don't know what I want to do now. I got to figure it out. I got to try different things. And so they may change on a daily basis of what their dreams are. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a lot of times we may just then just go, yeah, whatever. You're going to change it tomorrow. So I'm not going to get excited about it. Get excited about it. Be like, oh, cool. Okay. Why that today? If it's today and it changes tomorrow, be like, oh, okay, what changed? You're helping them now explore and see what fits for them rather than making them feel bad about trying different things on, right? And so being able, and here's the thing, if they are like 15-year-olds, I know so many that want to be a professional gamer where they just play games and people pay them a lot of money. And you ask them, well, how do you do this? And they're like, you just play games and people pay you money. I'm like, okay, you may (laughs) want to look a little bit more into what that means, but I'm not going to say don't do it because people are doing it, you know, and especially nowadays, oh my gosh, you can create your job there. You just go, I like this, this, and this, let me put them together and create a job. We do, we're doing Mm -hmm. that. Right. So There's so much opportunity now that they may love three different things. That doesn't mean they can't combine it, or they may love something right now, like doing YouTube. Well, you know what? There's a lot of stuff in the future that they can use those skills that they're developing by knowing how to do YouTube. And, you know, you and I will hire them because we need somebody that knows these skills and pay them good money. So, you know, being able to really look at what are they learning and what are they passionate about? We hear a lot of parents also worried because their kids aren't motivated. They're not motivated. Mm -hmm. They won't do this. They won't. Well, no, they're not motivated to do school. That's really boring because they don't see how it ties to anything that they love. They are really motivated when it comes to playing video games and doing sports or doing things that they love. So it's not about a lack of motivation. It's about a lack of interest. Speak to the importance of the mother-father relationship on the kids, like the relationship of of a husband and a wife and how that affects their children. Because I want to talk to our dads and our men about what they can do and how important the relationship with their wife is Mm -hmm. with their children. We'll we'll hit the married couples first. Yeah. So with married couples, it's interesting. I, I do a lot with couples and it becomes a little bit of a marriage counseling process as well, because 
One thing is if there's tension between you and your spouse, kids know. So if you try to hide it, they just know you're hiding something. Their imagination is probably going to be worse than what's happening. So my goal, my, my recommendation is being as transparent as possible. You don't have to air all your dirty laundry, but let them know, right? And mm-hmm. how you're working it out. The other thing is you need to be on the same page when it comes to your kids. And one of the biggest things that I see that actually cause tensions in marriage is that their parenting style is so different. One mm. is a lot more authoritarian. One is a lot more lenient and this just butts head. The kids start playing off of one another and everything goes awry. What's interesting is when you get to the values and what you want your kids to learn, who you, the type of person you want to encourage your, inspire your teens to be, right? Your kids to be, that often is exactly the same. So when you get on the same page in terms of long-term goals and what you want, suddenly you can start aligning your parenting and Mm. how you deal with situations, what situations you're not going to address, which you are, and you can get in line. So I always stop back that way. And what's I've found is a lot of times, even though it's expressed differently, when you get down to it, it's the same goals. So Mm. getting there first, but being on the same page, um, you know, a lot of people be say, you know, we have a lot of tension. There's a lot of dynamics, my kids acting out. So I'm going to send my kid to go, you fix my kid. Um, yeah. Well, all this goes on you, you help my kid. And I'm like, if I help your kid and throw them right back into the middle of this dynamic, it's not going to last. What yeah. needs, what we really want to do is work on the whole family dynamic and communication and being able to make sure that the child feels like they're involved and know what's going on. Yeah. Um, so I think that is one of the big things. So what do you say to a dad who maybe is divorced and doesn't have the kids? What can he do to help maintain that relationship and make sure that he's being as involved as possible? I actually just talked to two teenagers the other day about this very subject because their dad wants to have a better relationship with them. And I went right to them and said, what do you need from your dad? So I'm going to share that from Mm. teens perspective. Yeah. They just want their dad to spend time with them and listen. Just Mm. listen and share just the things we were talking about, because what happens is a lot of times the dads feel like, okay, I only have a short time to parent. So I'm either going to go dig in and parent really hard, you know, Mm. and set all my thing boundaries and stuff, or, you know, I'm going to be trying to change the topic. They become very focused on themselves and what's going on and why their mom is terrible. And like, they get into all that stuff rather than just saying what's tell me what's going on. What's happening. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. You love, you, you love playing guitar. Let me hear what you're, what you've been playing. Yeah. You know, just make it about them and wanting to understand and know them. That's what they need. And that will help you stay connected during that time. Hmm. Do you think a lot of times the, the divorce dad, maybe that guilt of, and the shame kind of of the divorce, no matter what happened or why the divorce happened, but sometimes the kids catch the brunt of that. Oh yeah. And I, I, I've seen it where they feel either, you know, it becomes a competition on who the kids like most. And mm-hmm. so there may be that, you know, overindulging bit or there's the, you know, 
the trying to tear the other parent down or, you know, ridicule or undermine or all of these things. There's a lot of hurt feelings. I get that. The problem is it's still their parent you're talking about. And so it's yeah. not doing any good for the kids to tear their parent down. It's not helping. Um, yeah. And I think, again, when it is about just connecting with them, that's where it becomes really key. And so when we make it about them, um, mm. that's, they don't, they don't want stuff from you. They want you. Yeah. Would it be similar in a step-parent situation? Let's say a dad mm -hmm. comes into a family where the, the wife has children and maybe he has children too, or he doesn't. And now he's a dad. Would it be kind of similar for him? The same thing, just listening, getting involved? Yeah, the step parent is another when, especially when you're living with them, is a very tricky situation because mm -hmm. the kids are put in this precarious situation of feeling like they're betraying their other parent if they like you. So yeah. if they like you, are they betraying their dad? Right. Mm -hmm. So that relationship, or you come in, you don't have a connection with them, and you try to start parenting them aka punishing and disciplining them, that's not going to go over well either. You don't have the connection and the trust yet to do that. So yeah. exactly what you said, David, it is about getting to know the child, giving them some grace and knowing that you're asking a big, you're, you have a big ask. You're asking yeah. them to be able to like you and trust you when they had no choice on whether or not you were in their life. Um, so I think, and you're taking time away from their mom, right? So mm -hmm. it's a big, it's a big hard role. So don't take it personally, first of all, and don't mm. get, you know, just go slow, build a relationship, get to know them, make it about them. So, so let's hit the, the dad who young kids, you know, maybe four to uh, or a six-year-old and, but they're kind of scared because they know the teen years are coming. Yeah. Um, what can a dad do when his children are little to make sure that when they become teenagers, there's a lot more connection there? What would you, what would be advice you give to a dad of young children? So th this is great because one of my main messages that I go out there is part of the problem we have with teenagers is because of our expectation of the teen years. And just mm -hmm. as you said it, we dread, as parents, we dread the teen years. I hear kids, you know, people have babies and they're like, oh my gosh, they roll, you know, a toddler rolled their eyes. Oh my God. Can you imagine what teens are going to be like? Well, now we've just spent all these years gearing up and going, teens are going to be terrible. And guess what? They're terrible. Yeah. When we realize that the reason teens act the way they do, which is what I do, is explain to you why teens act the way they do, you realize that they're not nearly as awful as we make them out to be. In fact, they're pretty damn awesome. Yeah. Um, and they have so many dreams. They're so passionate. Um, so first, go in it with the mindset that it's not about being awful. It's yeah. about them changing and being independent realizing that you do have to change how you interact with them because they're no longer little kids that need you to tie their shoes and pack their lunch. They're, we're getting them ready to launch into the world as grownups. So now they need us to start letting go and coaching them and helping them 
learn mm-hmm. these skills. When we approach it in this way, it's great. I mean, again, I have a teen daughter. She helps around the house beautifully. She's so much fun to talk to. We go for walks. We enjoy things together. We laugh. She does her own laundry. I could go on. Like it yeah. is, it is wonderful time of year. It's a wonderful stage if you approach it from that angle. Yeah. And I, I agree. Cause I've heard people, I've worked with teenagers for 30 years and and you see people who they they literally the child is two and they're already dreading them turning 12. Yeah. And and I've always told people, I said, I love teenagers. I loved my kids right. when they were teenagers. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of it has to do, like you said, with expectation. Yes. We kind of go into it expecting that. And so if our child does anything different, we're like, oh no, here comes the teen years. And it's almost like we're giving them permission to to be a pain. We are, and we're perceiving their behavior as this negative behavior rather than perceiving, looking at it for what it actually is, which is their best attempt to either cope or their best attempt to communicate because they haven't learned those skills yet. That's what they learned during adolescence. They haven't learned them yet. So we get upset when they don't do it well. Well, and I liken it to when your baby's learning to walk and they wobble. We don't get mad at them for not walking well and running across the room first go. But we yeah. get mad with our teens when they don't get, you know, communication down well. I know adults that still don't get it down well. So yeah. we got to help them learn how to do that. You're a dad, you've got teenagers, and maybe you haven't done a great job up to that point. But you know, you got a 13, 14 year old, you say, okay, I want to start building a better relationship. We've hit on it some, but what would be a couple pieces of advice you give that dad right now? First, yay, dad. It's never too late, never, ever too late to have a relationship with your kids. Two, your kids want a relationship with you as much as you want a relationship with them. They may not say it probably because that's a coping skill and they've just said they don't care anymore. They do. Um, I've yet to meet a teenager that doesn't want a better relationship with their parents. Mm. Every single one I've met. Um, They just say they don't because they don't feel like it's possible. So just remember they want it to make it about them listen to them, go slowly, respect their space and time. If you try to push it on them, if you get upset and take it personally, your, your emotions are going to build up and you're going to just say, I quit. It's going to take time to rebuild that trust. Um, because if you suddenly come out of nowhere and are like, I want a relationship with you, they're going to be like, what's your agenda? What do you need? Mm. You weren't here before. So it's going to take a while for them to say, okay, dad really does. And he's really there for me. And it's just small steps. It's just listening, listening, listening. Best skill a parent can have. Listen. Yeah, that's good. And I think it's probably one of the hardest. Um, So, all right. Well, uh, our time is about up. So thank you so much for the interview. If people wanted to, to find your resources, I, I think you've got some free resources for parents and things. Where would they go for that? I do. The best place to go is my website, which is askdrcam.com. All one word, askdrcam.com. And I do, I've got some, there's a link right there that says free resources. You can grab, you can also find my podcast there, um, Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. And you can find everything, contact me there and everything. So 
that's the site to go to, askdrcam.com. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Cam. We'll have those in the show notes for people. And I just want to say thank you for speaking to the men in my audience so they can be better dads. I love it. And I nothing makes me happier than a dad that's stepping up and wants to be a better dad. It's wonderful. You've been listening to the Confident Man Podcast. Click subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. You can connect with David on Facebook and Instagram at David the Maxwell. Find resources to help you as a man at theconfidentman.me. That's theconfidentman.me.